Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, look, the transition talk. I think Joe Bradley, Joe Bradley told, told us the production line was finished in Kerry. Well, Joe Bradley, what do you think of that? Trinity Old Boys annual reunion here at the weekend and we're in Mulligan's bar this dub comes over to me great young fella he says Joe he says I want to show you something and I says <laughs> what is it he pulls up his top and he's got tattooed on his belly what do you think of that Joe Brawley <laughs> Ow. Yeah. I says, what the? And he says, yeah, l- lost a bet in Vegas, he says. It was fucking excruciating, he says. He says, <laughs> apparently the belly's one of the sorest places. Oh, to Jesus. Get. And what was the bet? What, did, what was he going to win? No, he lost the bet. Yeah. I didn't even ask him that. We just brought all the boys over to see it. Fuck. How long did it take? Did I don't know. know. He said it was excruciating, agony. What do you think of that, Joe? Imagine. And do they charge by the word? Dubs. Dubs are hard to figure out. Like it was no, how do you feel about that now, having seen the pattern already? I mean, there's an inexhaustible variety of human life. Yeah. How was the Trinity uh, reunion? <laughs> I think you won't, you won't have reunions like that in 30 years' time. I mean, everything's more ordered now, and people are better behaved. I mean, some of the wildnesses... There's some great stories. Paddy O'Donoghue, who was Pat Gilroy's right-hand man during his time as the Dublin senior mm. football manager. Paddy's very literal. <laughs> He's a very clever guy. Um, won an All-Ireland club medal with Kilmacud Crooks. They only they had 15 players on the field that day. Fair play to them. <laughs> but, Let uh, it go. Yeah, I saw it. It's say yeah. So uh, they told some great stories about, you know, the start of the Gilroy era when he was making very hard decisions, you know, dropping big name players, changing the culture. And uh, they were particularly sore on Bernard Brogan because obviously they could see Bernard's vast potential. But they were worried about his work rate and his lack of tackling, etc. So, you know, Pat had left him on the bench for a number of games. <laughs> but <laughs> they told a story together about... Um, a game against Armagh in the league and 
the Armagh fullback here in McKeever got out in front of Bernard for the first two balls. He's seeing Pat in frustration. He says to Paddy O'Donnell, he says, go out there, he says, I tell that cowardly cunt to get out in front of his fucking man. You see? So O'Donnell, who interprets this, <laughs> as he runs out and he says to Bernard, you're a cowardly cunt, broken. <laughs> get out in front of your man and win the fucking ball. And off he goes. Paddy Webb wouldn't take a fizz out of Paddy, you see. Bernard goes on to have a stormer, scores 1-5, player of the match, best game he's played for the dubs under Gilroy, you see. <laughs> Into the changing room afterwards, Pat Gilroy goes over to him, puts a hand out. You were great today, Bernard, that was terrific. Bernard says, uh, Pat, uh, you know, we need to tell you something. He says, uh, you know, Paddy, very abusive, you know. What? Yeah, he called me a cowardly cunt. I'll have a word. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you saw I saw that uh, poll in the Irish Times um, I don't know how it made you feel two thirds of people in the Republic have said have no friends in the North <laughs> so like I was just thinking at that Trinity maybe you were a kind of you know that, that Trinity mm. Union you said before you talked about that you know being going to Trinity it, it mm. It was an eye-opener for you. This is where you tell me that some of your best friends are Northerners. (laughs) Well, here we are. You know, I couldn't, there's a... Well, it's a silly poll, isn't it? Because, I mean, if you asked people in um, Southampton how many people they knew in Scotland, Mm. how many friends they had in Scotland, you know, or how many friends they had had in Cardiff, Mm. I'd say that the numbers would be significantly lower than that. I mean... I would have thought that a third of people having friends in the North is big numbers. And probably a lot of it's down to the GAA, you know, the, 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 how much mixing you do from a very young age, from sort of failing the gale onwards, nationwide competitions like that. And uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, uh, it's, I think it's just a silly poll. You do, do you not think there's anything in... It's just, you know, if people aren't living, you know... But like you, most, people... Most, most people don't have far horizons. They're not travelling a lot. You know, yeah. I mean, a different border people. I mean, but, there is, but there is, there is a, a, like I remember, do you remember when there was that fuss about people in, in England, they weren't able to draw the map of Ireland or the border or whatever it was. And uh, I was working in joe.ie at the time and we actually went out and sent a camera crew down to Grafton Street and asked them to draw the border in the north and where it was and uh, people no one had a clue you know and people in in England don't have any I mean imagine going up the shankle and asking people in the shankle had they any friends in England I mean they would look at it look at you as if you had two heads because they just I mean there's not that there's not that no, you, no. There's, there's, this, there's the geographical distance to start with. But they people really, don't, really yeah. people in the north have nothing in common with people from England. I mean, it's more a, it's more a symbolic emotional attachment rather than anything real. Um, but I do think that there's a very real attachment, uh, north and south in Ireland, like a very real attachment you know, through all of the sort of activities that we have together. You know, going to school universities together we mix very well but I think also that a lot of that mixing is people of a certain class 
You know, if you're mm. if you're if you're working and living in a small rural parish, you know, in Munster, it's unlikely that you're going to have a circle of friends in Belfast or in Dungiven in the northerly tip yeah. of the country. Regardless, I mean, I don't think it. I don't think no, it makes any difference whether there's a border or not. But it always strikes me that it is strange that people don't look. You know, people don't go on holiday, say to places in the north the way they would you know places that are an hour or two hours away from Dublin oh. you know uh, they don't do that the way they would with uh, you know wherever they would you know wherever people go like to, you know Dublin people go to Wexford they don't go to Strangford Lock yeah it's, yeah I, I, there's probably an element still I mean I was in uh, Lawler's in, in uh, Nice Glen Ryan you know the great Kildare footballer he's the manager of the team now you know, and he's one of those people, every time he asks you to do something, I just say yes. Yeah. And you find out later what it is. <laughs> what have you landed me into? So this <laughs> one was 500 people, you know, in a, a sort of a conversation on the stage. But in Lawler's Hotel, as I was waiting to go on stage, they had this ledger, huge ledger opened. And it was a page from one of the Irish newspapers in June 1973. And it was fascinating. Eventually I was being called up onto the stage. Somebody had to come and get me. But I took some photographs of this is just, this is one day in mm. the Troubles. This is by a, a journalist called Pat Smiley. A British Army major drove a van loaded with 150 pounds of explosives through the Derry Docklands yesterday and jumped clear moments before it exploded. He deliberately drove the the, the van into the river foil. The bomb exploded two minutes later, sending a huge mushroom of water and scattering debris from the van over a wide area. Major Mike Kieran, aged 38, of the 22nd Light Air Defence Regiment of the Royal Artillery, said that having established this, is my favourite bit, this is real life Bruce Willis stuff, that there was a 25 minute time clock on the bomb, he decided to take the chance and drive the van out of the city centre and drive it into the river. <laughs> Yes, here our armed men had hijacked the van at the Brandywell, loaded the bomb on it, held the help, held the helper hostage, and told the driver to bring the van back to the post office in Derry. When he reached the post office, the driver shouted a warning and ran off. Major Kieran decided to drive it into the river, and was lucky to survive with his life. And then this is the next story beside it. Then this is all the same day. Don't forget, nineteen seventy-three. Aye, this is all in nineteen seventy-three. Yeah, it's just a. It's just a catalogue of mayhem. The, the the headline right under this is five bomb blasts in Derry. <laughs> Only the five. Five bombs exploded in the centre of Derry last night, damaging a bakery, a petrol station, a building contractors, where two bombs were planted, and a bar. All of the premises were destroyed, but there were no injuries reported. Customers and staff luckily got out of the bar before the blaster. Jesus Christ. Mm. I remember one time in Dungannon, you know, Said we were in a, this restaurant and Dungannon was heavily bombed. It's close to Kalilan. My grandmother lived in Kalilan. You see, asked my mother's from. And we were we were having chips anyway, and somebody came and said, "Oh, look, there's a bomb warning." And it was all fairly relaxed, but they took our chips. You know, we, I was only very young, and they put them into baskets. You know, those wee like wicker mm. baskets of chips, and we all walked out into the square. We were no sooner went out than the whole place went up. No Boom. way. Wow. Oh yeah, the whole place went up. Anyway, nine. This is this is this is just down then from. This, this, is, this is a different story. This now. is after the five right, blasts okay. in Derry now. 
Nine mortar bombs were fired at a British <laughs> army camp near Craigada Street in Derry last night, but all of them fell short and caused no damage. A 15-round burst of machine gun fire was then aimed at the camp, but again, luckily, there were no casualties. And this goes on. I mean, it's just story after story. There's a really unusual story then about uh, an Ulster Defence Regiment soldier. UDR man feigns gun attack. <laughs> Newtonard's <coughs> court was told on Tuesday that member of the Ulster Defence Regiment fired three shots from a pistol, threw himself in the ground and later told police the shots had been fired at him. <laughs> There's a cry for help if ever, if ever I've heard one. Kenneth Wiley, 23, a factory worker of Carmine Gardens, was fined £50 for causing wasteful employment of the Royal Ulster Constabulary by making a false statement and was given a conditional discharge for being disorderly. After he made the report, roadblocks were set up and 18 police officers were engaged for a total of 22 hours investigating the attack. In a statement, Wiley said that he had been drinking (laughs) and apologised to the court. (laughs) And then the next story is about a rampage through Newton Ards. Give evidence that a mob went on a window smashing spree in the town on the night of March the 18th and that several shop windows had been broken. Two Newton Arts factory workers were sentenced in court to six months in prison, etc., etc. What paper was that? I think it, it's hard to, it was hard to work out. It didn't actually, it had the date on top of it. Um, it may have been a long broadsheet, it may well have been the Irish Times. Uh, but it was it was an illustration again of how things have changed. I mean, I remember um, Jerry Doherty at that stage. You know, when bombing the Guildhall was a mm. sort of a recreational pastime. Um, Jerry really blew it to smithereens. You know, it was the sort of heart of the British Empire in Derry City, and. You know, they'd, they'd been trying to bomb it. You know, multiple people had bombed it without success, you see. But Jerry discovered a security flaw was that the bin lorries were parked inside the, were parked inside the compound at night. I mean, Guildhall's a magnificent building, mm. you know, exuding all the might of the British Empire. So Jerry and the boys hijacked the bin lorry and put on their outfits, their uniforms, the bin men's uniforms, and then they packed it with high explosives, you see, and they drove it into the Guildhall and blew the place to kingdom come. And Jerry was then subsequently caught and convicted and spent a long time in prison and then was released. And as sort of mirroring the progress in the North, he he became a Sinn Féin councillor. And... The council had their meetings, all their meetings were in the Guildhall, which it was resplendent again, having been rebuilt sort of block by block. And Jerry, Jerry's immortal maiden speech on the stage of the Guildhall was, ladies and gentlemen, the last time I stood on this spot, I quite literally brought the house down. There was a it was a huge furore over it. Was there? It seems a lot of that black humour in the yeah, north, yeah. I suppose, to disguise the um, savagery and the inhumanity of a lot of what was done. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, some of the some of the old provos take have a basically a three man show where they talk, you know, in dark humour about you know 
atrocities during the 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 the, the, the troubles. And I'm sure it must be very stark for young ears to hear that. Mm. And I was like, what the f- what? So I think that there is that still with some people in the south that I mean the north wouldn't be a particularly glamorous <laughs> location for a holiday. Do you think you get it if you say you know if you if you Valentine's weekends coming up and you say we're <laughs> do something do a bit for the North's tourist board where would you where's, where's not to, where would you not say to go well I wouldn't go to, I wouldn't go to Ballymena okay <laughs> <laughs> I mean the, the, really the whole North Coast is beautiful yeah. you know, I mean it's incredibly beautiful every bit as beautiful as as, as Kerry or mm. Cork or Wexford but underdeveloped as yet, yeah. Um, because I suppose we have been so significantly held back for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think all 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 that is, you know, slowly starting to change. I mean, like one of the most beautiful spots in the north is McGilligan Strand. Mm. I mean, it overlooking Greencastle. So you take the ferry from McGilligan Point. I mean, it really is most beautiful, beautiful place. The problem is you just go around the corner at the Strand and there's McGilligan Prison, you know, which is nicknamed Anthrax Island. But there must, so be, you can, <laughs> but there must be a good tourist trip. Like I, I do this myself in like one of the most disappointing uh, trips I ever had when I used to go around with, with on football trips covering football and I was in Budapest, and they have a magnificent uh, museum called the the House of Terror, which is you know a, a museum in the old secret police building, devoted to everything that took place in uh, in Hungary during you know behind the Iron Curtain. And I remember being you know because everywhere you go, you go right? especially when you're covering if you're covering in Ireland an international team, you're going to open all these places. So you go to so many Eastern European places, and they all have a good either World War Two or Cold War museum, you know. And I remember traipsing along in Budapest and the disappointment. We got to the House of Terror and it was closed. And you're like, for fuck's sake, this is, the whole trip was built around. So, like, you could have the lovely beach. Like, you surely must be a good tourism business oh, yeah. in, in the it, Troubles. Oh yeah, well, you know what I mean. Yeah, well, so go to the beach and then go to the prison. Yeah, well, some like, of, some of the prisoners in the Hades block and some of the wardens, yeah, do tours of yeah, the, yeah. of, of the Hades blocks. I wouldn't go to the Hades blocks. Yeah, you know? no, because it was a place of such infamy mm. and death yeah, and yeah. Um, sadism. Mm. Um, I couldn't bring myself to because I uh, knew some of the hunger strikers yeah, yeah. and. You know, I, I knew people who lived in that atrocious regime. Mm. You know, and um, and so I, 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 I just couldn't bring myself yeah. to. I mean, it was a place of gross in, inhumanity to man. Mm. You know, I mean, and that went both ways. You know, I mean, my uncle Yunan was in H three and suffered terribly. You know, never recovered really. And the warden in H three was, you know, notorious. And there was a sort of an unspoken contract that if they, on, intolerable though the conditions were, if the warders treated them with some respect, 
then in return they would be left alone on the outside. Because right. don't forget they were they were under huge pressure as well. Because yeah. there was a constant threat of assassination and deaths. I mean, everyone was looking under their cars. Mm. Everyone had mirrors on poles yeah. to to check their cars. But that warden, that senior warden, well, I was in St Pat's Armagh at the time mm. school, and he. Uh, they waited for him and he was coming up the steps to mass and they just gunned him down on the steps. Mm. And uh, and so you had all this and then when that happened, of course, then it would be much worse inside for a while. There would be yeah. these horrific peaks and then slightly less horrific troughs. Mm. I mean, people wouldn't believe the conditions that those men lived in. I mean, I know that Christy Moore went in and was really profoundly transformed, affected mm. by it all. Um, you see, I don't see why, like, and it's interesting you say it's no different to any other geographical divide, but it's like what we've talked about on the dealing with history and facing up to it. I don't think there's any har- any anything to be lost by saying there is a divide because of... Oh, there's a divide, th- and, yeah. and, and because of that... Tr- and it's different to other geographical divides because of what happened. And but as is part... It, is but it, it is because of... How many people so in Scotland would have friends in England, but, for example? But no, but, you're, but the, the, there, are, there are reasons behind it, too, that, as you said, because you, you talk about, like, during the Troubles... Everyone, and you've said this before, like, you know, and, you know, and whatever you feel about how you put it before, but in, during the Troubles, people in the South looked away or didn't want to know and that that made that's also in terms of engaging with it with the other parts of the island in terms of like you're not going to go there for a a weekend away you're not going to do those belfast is hugely popular no belfast yeah yeah no it is it's a rocking city yeah yeah Derry is hugely popular it's beautiful it's so well cleaned up but like there's a difference look dion if you're talking about see the reason that it was the reason that it was a whole bogus headline yeah, you know, and people jumped on it and said, "Oh well, look, I mean, we're absolutely nowhere near United Ireland." <laughs> it's because, let's say, you know, people in Cork come to Belfast for a stag mm-hmm. weekend or hen night. You know, they, they're going to come, they're going to enjoy it all, but they're not going to make close friends there. Mm-hmm. People have very few close friends in my experience. I mean, I have a lot of close friends in the south because I went to Trinity. Yeah, you know, I'm, but, mar- I'm married to not more woman, which means you basically marry Mayo, mm. and you know I've got friends because of my particular sort of things that I do. Like I'm invited to events all the time to talk and have fun and fundraise for clubs, etc. So, you know, that I happen to be in that position. But like, yeah. I mean, my brother Prunches, for example, great Gail, fluent Irish speaker, head of the history department at St Mary's, you know. He, 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 he doesn't have friends in the South because it's not because he's not fully Irish. It's because he just doesn't. No, I know. And I mean, he, his, his hinterland is Dungiven. Um, you know, the teams there, the, the teams in, in St. Mary's Marafelt, the teaching, all of that. That's his hinterland. He doesn't travel. He has no interest in holidays particularly. So, but that, and he went to Queen's University. So why would he have friends in the South? Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free 
or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You understand? I just think it's a false. But look, 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 look at this. Look at this one thing in this poll. I just want to read one thing to you. Percentage, <laughs> percentage with no cross-border connections, right? Yeah. Uh, 8% Northern Ireland Catholics, that's the lowest. Uh, um, 17% Northern Ireland Other. 28% Northern Ireland Protestant. And 31% Northern uh, Republic of Ireland Dublin and 41% Republic of Ireland All In. So there are Protestants, Joe. Protestants. (laughs) Who have better connections. In the North. Who have better connections than free staters? Than free the staters. Valley, so, like you know, that tells you know, us something. You know my view on free staters. <laughs> I don't think it tells you anything. See, North, don't forget that the North, Northern Ireland, whatever you want to call it, is very small. There'd be a very good. I would have thought there'd be very good bonds and ties in the rugby communities as yeah, well. Yeah. So that you know, but again, don't forget that's a very, very middle class pursuit mm. in the North and I suppose in and around Dublin particularly. But there would be very strong ties. I mean, there's no issue around Irishness or Ireland mm. or or having, you know, those two identities. Yeah. So, like, you're, 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 you're Northern Irish, but you're also Irish. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't forget that the most thundering bigot of them all, I mean, the man who... <laughs> the man who sort of made bigotry into a global game show, Dr Ian Paisley. I mean, his fascination... His fascination was with the 1798 mm. rebellion. Yeah. And he had a wee man who went around the auctions buying porcelain figurines from the 1798 rebellion. Wolf Tone and Waddy mm. Graham and all of that. And had a huge collection of that. You know, And always said, I mean, Dr. Paisley always said, I am Irish. Yeah. That's what he described himself as. Himself mm. as. You know, I think that, the poll was used to sort of suggest. Well, that's as if I know. That, yeah, that we're, not that, ready, we're not ready. That, for that, that people aren't ready for a United Ireland. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, obviously, it's inevitable. I mean, it's just it's that it's just going to happen. That's just the way of the world. It's going to take a while to for 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 that winding road to to sort of reach there. But you see, I think but it will like, reach there because there's really no <coughs> alternative. No, like, and if there's no alternative, well then. It's inevitable. Like there's definitely an imbalance. Like there, it's, it's the same kind of thing as when we get sensitive here when British people <laughs> don't know anything about Ireland. You know? Why should they? You know? No, why should they? Because we're, we're all, like I remember going to live in London and like that, that journey is so easy. Like we know everything. If you grow up, especially if you grow up on the East Coast where you had BBC, you had everything. Every cultural reference point of, of, of England like we understood. So you go and live in London and it's, it's effortless, you know, in that sense. And especially when the, once the, like I went to live there in 96, there was, you know, there, there was one, I think there was the, there was one, the, the Canary Wharf bomb happened after that, but there was nothing. So you had peace as well. So there was nothing to, 
And it was so easy because all your cultural reference points, you actually had an advantage over them because they knew nothing about about us and we knew everything about them, if you know what I mean. And well, they just didn't. They, they, they just didn't care. We don't, no, they don't care. We, as well. were, we were sort of in the north. We were still sort of tied to their fortunes, even though they don't give a damn about mm. us. And that's the that's the frustrating thing. Logically, that's the frustrating thing for people who are trying to make headway in the north. You know, um, for the politicians, the vast majority of the parties are trying to make headway, but it's very very difficult when you're tied to that sort of as as Ian Junior described it. You know this. Um, toxic English nationalism, which is now taken over the the the, the uh, Tory party. Yeah, but I think it's. Um, I mean, have you have you got any friends in the north? Uh, I, I'm looking at my 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 best friend in the north. Am, am I the only one? <laughs> no, I've got there's one or two others. It's like uh, you see, but you see, and you're you're well travelled. You know, no, I've got I've got relations in the north. I've yeah, got. Uh, you're, you're not a bad personality. <laughs> you know, you're. Relatively, pre- relatively presentable. <laughs> no, have you, have you any Protestant friends in the north? Yeah, well, I've got Protestant relations in the north. Yeah, you know, where, where are they from? Ross Trevor, County Down. Oh, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. Yeah, no, they don't. One of the wor- one of the world's most beautiful places, Ross Trevor. Yeah, it's lovely. Oh. But we never, we didn't go up there much. I remember. No, we didn't. We didn't. Uh, you see, my grandmother, who was from there, she ended up. As she ended up in Tralee. So she ended up a long way away. Yeah. I got you to say it. Some of my best friends are Protestants. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. When the road looks. Rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed You just remember what your old pal said For you've got a friend in me Yeah, you've got a friend in me you got a friend in me Oh, you got a friend in me you got troubles and I got them too But there isn't anything that I wouldn't do for you We stick together and can see it through Cause you've got a friend in me You've got a friend in me Some other folks might be a little bit smarter than I am Maybe bigger and stronger too Maybe but none of them could ever love you the way I do. Oh, it's me and you, boy. And as the years go by, well, our friendship will never die. You're gonna see it's our destiny. You got a friend in me. And, and you got a friend in me. Yeah, you got a friend in me. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.